Um, we are this morning sending a family out to the Middle East. Uh, we're praying for family Rogers uh, later. Uh, we'll also be appointing uh, elders and deacons to our church family. So how are we going to do that? I've invited uh, Matt. We're part of a church, Catalyst New Frontiers. That's more than a logo to us. It's a joining of hearts on gospel mission. Matt's going to talk to us this morning why being part of Catalyst is important. And then uh, we're going to interview Dan and Sarah to catch a little bit of their heart. And then I'm going to remind us why we as a church have elders and deacons greeted for the Bible teaches it. And one of the things they do in the life of the church. When that's all done, we're going to sing much more songs to Jesus, bring our kids back. And then we're going to do it on this stage in the middle. So all of this is done at right at the center of the church that we're all involved in that. So that's where we're going now. So please, would you open up your hearts to our good friend, Matt Partridge. Well, it's lovely to be here. And just to say right from the start, Reading Family Church, you do my heart good. It's been great to worship. Uh, we're here at the uh, 9 o'clock as well, and our hearts are just full. We've enjoyed worshiping. Uh, I'm, I'm glad that I'm here today with my wife, Wendy, and our youngest daughter, Martha, and it's a real delight to be here on such a day of celebration. And also, love from the church uh, up the road in Oxford, Emmanuel Church Oxford. We're all part of the same family together. And just to say, Reading Family Church, we appointed our first ever deacon last Sunday. So we're catching up. We're following you. One of our team, we've got three interns this year. And after my visit to you in September, I'd obviously quoted life here at Reading Family Church of being such kind of church life nirvana that when I was in my team two Tuesdays ago, we're having a team meeting, we're trying to solve a problem together as a team, and one of the interns cheekily said, what are they doing in Reading, Matt? So I said, and I suddenly realized I'd been saying, well, in Reading, I experienced this, and in Reading, I experienced that. So just to say that you are continuing to be a blessing to us in, in Oxford, and we just send our love to you on this great day of celebration. There's a great declaration, you know, when, whenever a church is sending people on mission or raising and releasing leaders, it's a declaration that Jesus is still alive and ruling and building his church. And that is a great thing to celebrate together, isn't it? Sean's asked me just to speak for 10 minutes uh, about why I'm here, basically. Why do we prefer doing these kind of days together? Um, why do we love to be connected in apostolic church families, as New Frontiers Catalyst is? We're in that together. Occasionally, we uh, kind of adopt, we call it, churches into Catalyst. But most of the time, we plant churches into our family, and we replicate what we believe God's given us, the grace he's given us. That's certainly the case here for Reading Family Church. Sean and Liz came and planted, began this church as part of that apostolic family, and the same in Oxford with Emmanuel in 2005. Uh, that church was planted in that family. So just in 10 minutes, I just want to explain my heart a little bit for why I'm here and why it's so exciting to do these kind of days together. I think primarily we are built and designed by God for relationship. And that isn't simply kind of individual to individual in our friendships and our family groups, but actually communities to communities. So one of the big blessings of the gospel is that we're able to kind of mend bridges between communities. So churches shouldn't be monocultural. We should be expressing many communities in our local churches and in our wider church families. 
That's why the, bo- the church is desi- described as the body of Christ, I guess. It's that we are many members, but united under Christ. So Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27, Now you are the body of Christ, and individually members of it. And God has appointed to the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administration, and various kinds of tongues. So Paul kind of links these two things. He says, we are one united body under Christ, and I've given gifts to help that unity really flourish and those relationships to really be fruitful. That's why when we look to the end of the book and we see what's going to happen in Revelation, the eternal song that is being sung in Revelation chapter 5 is this. Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and every language and people and nation, and you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. So our connectedness now is kind of a glimpse at a future when every tribe and every tongue and every nation are going to be glorifying the Savior. So we are connected as an apostolic family. I don't know what your family does at Christmas time, but my family loves to basically celebrate its togetherness in three ways. And I think it's kind of typical of how we should think of ourselves as church families too. Firstly, we love to connect as a local family. I'm really looking forward to Christmas Day in my own home. I'll be honest with you, I love being with my wider family, but there are times when it's nice just to be a local family. So this Christmas Day is going to be Wendy and I and our two daughters, and we've invited two neighbors to join us, and it's great to be a local family. But there is no doubt, celebrating Christmas together, we are going to join with our wider family And we're going to enjoy moments of being together with my parents and cousins are going to be involved. And there's going to be a wider family moment. And thirdly, we love to connect with our global family. Making sure that our Christmas cards have been mailed with the airmail stamps before the deadline to make sure they get there. Zooming people in different parts of the world. And I just want to say that's how we could think of our church relationships too. Reading Family Church is a beautiful local family. I just want to commend you. Don't become complacent with what God is doing here. I have the privilege of visiting regularly other churches. And there's not many like this one. Your energy and commitment to God in worship is phenomenal. Nurture it. Participate in it. Don't resist it. You have a grace from God here in worship that is unusual. And it's done my heart good being here. And I could multiply that commendation in other areas. You send brilliantly well. You raise leaders brilliantly well. You are a blessing to our wider family as a church. But secondly, Reading Family Church is connected to a wider apostolic family called Catalyst. And you are a blessing in that context too. 
And thirdly, both Catalyst and Reading Family Church and Emmanuel in Oxford and all the other churches, we joyfully join together with the worldwide church. That ultimate expression of God's people in every culture, however diverse and however different, we come together united under our head, Jesus Christ. And we're connected in that kind of way. There is, there is a relationship that we have outside of our own local church families, and we celebrate it. That's why I'm here. That's why Paul in Romans 15 could write this. He said, but now, since I no longer have any room for work in these regions, and since I have longed for many years to come to you, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain. And to be helped on my journey there by you. And once I've enjoyed your company for a while, at present, however, I'm going to Jerusalem bringing aid to the saints there. It's amazing, really. That's like a glimpse behind the curtain of biblical apostolic church life. There's a church in Rome. It's a beautiful local family. But it's not independent and it's not isolated. It's part of Paul's wider apostolic family. So Paul can say, I've longed to come to you. I'm going to come, and we're going to have great time together. I want to hang out with you. We're going to have meals, but also there's purpose in it. You're going to help send me to Spain. We're going on mission together. We're going to go there together. And actually, I can't come to you until I've been to Jerusalem because other churches that relate with me have raised much-needed aid, which I'm going to carry to the suffering Christians there first, and then I'm going to come to you. That is what it's supposed to feel like. So apostolic churches, actually, is, is as much about what we do and how we behave as what we believe. It, it's not theoretical or hypothetical. We believe that the church is built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And that changes the way churches are built and operate. They want to do things together. They want to reach other nations. They want to actually bless one another outside of the health of their own local family. So it's an absolute delight to be here. It's, an, it's going to be a joy to pray. I, I didn't quite know. I said to Clayton and to Blessing earlier, like you're, half, you're halfway there after this morning's meeting. You're half an elder. And Clayton said, no, 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 I'm an elder. After the 11, I'm going to be double blessed. Double blessing. I was like, look at me. How wrong is my theology? That's got to be so wrong. What I'd love to do is just before I hand the mic back to Liz to interview the Rogers, it's just been such a joy to meet with, um, uh, to meet with Clayton and Vanessa and to meet with Blessing and Sarah and to meet with Dan and Sarah. It's been great to be in their homes, to have a meal with each of them and catch up with them ready for today. And so in a moment or two, I know in the meet, later in the meeting, we're going to lay hands on each of them. But before we do that, can I just pray for a blessing on you as a church family, for God's blessing, and to keep running the race because you're blessing so many other churches around you. So, Father, we do come to you in Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for the grace that you've given this church family. We thank you for your kindness to Reading Family Church. And we ask you right now, Holy Spirit, just bring a multiplied blessing on this church family. We pray that you would protect and deepen its unity and its sense of affection one to the other. 
We pray that you'd keep raising and releasing multiplied gifting, grace gifts, inside the church and out. We pray for that. We pray for the beautiful heart for worship. We say, Lord Jesus, let that affect our nation. We pray right now for hundreds of people to to experience this church family and fall in love with the worship of the Lord Jesus. So we pray, keep equipping the leaders. Father, we pray that you'd bless this church family, bless the marriages and the families. Pray that you'd bless this church with good health emotionally and physically. So we commit it to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Matt. Well, can I invite up here with me uh, Dan and Sarah Rogers? Let's give them a warm welcome as they join us. They're louder at the 11:30 than the nine, I reckon. <laughs> um, many of you in this room will know Dan and Sarah. It's always been already been alluded to that they are going to be moving on sh- uh, shortly. Um, But not everybody will know them. So just a little bit about what you're doing. But can you start by telling us what you've been doing in Reading for the last seven years that you've been here? I'll start this time. Um, (laughs) um, Yeah, so we arrived here just over seven years ago now with our daughter who was eight weeks old um, from London. God spoke to us very clearly about coming to Reading. Um, About a year after that, though, he spoke to us clearly about moving on from Reading, just not quite yet, and that's why we're here today. We've journeyed that over the last six years, Um, and in the meantime, had two more children and uh, set up a business here, construction business, um, and been really involved in Reading Family Church. Do you want to say a bit about that? Um, Yes, of... How old? Five? About five and a half years ago, um, we set up a building firm here, um, which is always good to quit your job and set up your own business just as you have your second kid. Um, it goes down really well. But yeah, believing that it was from God and it was the right thing to do. I'm just going to smile for a picture. Um, <laughs> um, actually, we've really seen God use b- business here. We've seen it gathers us. It's We've been in many of your homes. We've... Um, taken on and taught apprentices to the point where they trade skills and life skills um they've been added into the church they've followed jesus we've um like all of us do drop many of us do normal life drop kids off at school got to know school mums invited them on alpha ran alpha um i've run out of words um um so yeah we've just lived normal life here in reading when god moves us on another picture um yeah, so that's what we've been doing the last seven years. So deeply embedded in Reading in seven years, you have dug deep to live life here. What are you planning to do next? In eight days' time, we are taking our... The number of suitcases is growing, but eight, nine suitcases with us, um, and we are leaving Reading. We're moving to the Middle East. Um, and in many ways, looking to replicate what we've done here, actually living as we're commanded to, to offer up our bodies as living sacrifices for Jesus, to be slaves to him. Actually, it's no longer our life, but his. Um, And the call to move from London to Reading was that. 
and the call to, to move from Reading onwards is that, that actually our lives are no longer our own. Um, so we're going to go, we're going to settle our kids somewhere new. We're going to learn some language. We're going to learn some culture, um, unlearn lots of culture, um, be taught that English way isn't always the best way. I know, shocking as that seems. Um, and look to see a church established that is in a local language that's meeting local people and growing and hope to do the same again in terms of business, set up another business, um, gather people, train people, get to know people and point them towards Jesus. Um, and that, so that's a, that's a rough idea. What I've learned in my 30 years on this earth is that my plans often don't actually happen. And God often goes, nah, you're actually going to do this. So we've got some ideas, but we're holding them lightly and saying, God, you want us to go. So we'll go and you lead the way and you show us what's next. So tell us, what are you most excited about as you embark on this adventure? Um, I, I'll say the food and the weather again. This took me by surprise earlier and it's what I said, but it's true. Um, but also, again, following the call of God and being involved. It's exciting, right? You don't just want to sit still and stagnate. You want to keep going after what God's got, whether it's in Reading or whether it's beyond. Um, so it's exciting to see what's going to happen. And what do you anticipate being some of the hardest uh, things as you move to a different country and settle a family, etc.? Um, which is what we answered this question differently earlier, which is why. Um, actually, doing this with three young kids feels like an additional challenge. Actually, I'm willing to throw <laughs> both of us in the, in the hard stuff and go, oh, we're up for it. We're adults. We've made our decision. But to take a seven, five and almost four-year-old with you and say, no, come on, I'm going to throw you in a school where you can't speak to anyone, where you, you don't know the language, where you, you've, you've left all your friends goodbye, that feels much harder to make that choice for them. Um, but we also believe actually God spoke to us now, now that we've got kids. If he wanted us to do it without the kids, we'd have done it eight years ago or in 15 years' time, we wouldn't be doing it now. So we've, God's much more able to look after them than we are. Um, and I think that's tough as a parent to go, I'm trusting you for them, not just ourselves. So that seems like the hardest thing for us. Any f yeah, okay, I'll come back to that. Um, so what's, I don't know if you mentioned it today, you are literally getting on a plane in nine days' time. Is that correct? Eight, I think. Okay, eight and days. Next Monday, yeah. What does these is. last few days, week look like for you? Um, a lot of boring stuff, getting our house ready to give back to our landlord. Um, I'm actually going to hopefully see my granny tomorrow, um, which is good. Last time I couldn't see her because we were six. So if you want to pray that me and Max aren't six, we can still go tomorrow. That'd be great. Um, and yeah, doing well, that, seeing a couple of friends along the way, but mostly the all the practical boring, stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Mission involves practicality. So how can we pray for you guys? What are the things you mentioned? Children, we definitely want to pray for that. But as you go, how can we continue to pray for you? got a long old list um so we can give you a load of things now or the easiest thing to do is to sign you up to our sort of i was going to put a time on it i'm not getting sucked into telling you how regular it will be regular newsletter that will be when it will be um three or four times a year we'll aim for um we can sort of send some lovely pictures of the kids um let you know what we're up to the first two years we'll say we're language learning and trying to make friends. We're language learning and trying to make friends. But you can receive that. 
Um, and then the other thing to do is to sign up and join the Beyonders prayer group, which Becky runs so well. Um, and we can, through that, that's monthly. So we can give you much more sort of detailed updates, detailed pray for this now. Um, in the short term, it's praying for the kids at school this week as their final week as they say bye to their friends, um, that we land well, that, that we all make friends quickly, that we find we're praying for the right house for us. So we jump into an Airbnb for a month and then need to find somewhere to live. But we're praying that we don't just get any old house, but where God wants us, where the right neighbors. Um, and then for things like visas, language learning going forward. So there's an online prayer meeting tonight at 8 p.m. I'm sure we will be praying for those things specifically. But do connect with Becky if you want to pray regularly on a monthly basis. Guys, I... Sorry? <laughs> um, I speak on behalf of this room and just want to say again, we honour you for your obedience to Christ, of your desire to not live life as you would plan it out but to be willing to obey his call on you we love you deeply 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 we are totally behind you cheering you on we want to give our we want to give our money to you <laughs> um, and we will be praying for you and really look forward to seeing all that God does in and through you let's give them a, a warm hurrah One of the things that is our responsibility as ascending church is to be robust and to endure. That gives us confidence to send people on long-term overseas mission. And if you remember in September, uh, we talked about the church in Antioch. And when we thought about that church in Antioch, one of the things we recognized is there was that prayer meeting and there was that prophetic impulse to go to uh, the nations. And that journey of that first missionary journey, as we now call it, I want us to learn from this morning as to why we're appointing elders and deacons on the same Sunday that we're commissioning another family to go on long-term mission. Now, Antioch is at the top of Syria there. So this is uh, what we now call the first missionary journey. They were just following the call of God on their lives. So this is Barnabas and Paul. Uh, they jump on a boat, go around Cyprus, and then they land in what we now call modern-day Turkey. And then they head up to Antioch in Pisidia, in Iconium, and then Lystra. And we're going to join the story in a place called Derby, which is their end time. And at that point, they turn around and retrace their roots. But uh, some of you may not be familiar what was going on as they're proclaiming the gospel and communities of Jesus' followers were being established in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra. Just to remind you of this, because this sets the context of why we're appointing elders here this morning. So when uh, Barnabas and Paul uh, arrived uh, at Antioch, what they typically would do, they would preach the good news of Jesus. Often they'd start in a synagogue, and they would often see a miracle associated with that preaching, and many people would be saved. Uh, local uh, Jews or Greeks would be slightly unsettled, so from a miracle uh, to salvation, then there would often be some kind of persecution. And that is what happened in Pisidia of Antioch. There was salvation and there was fierce persecution. And then Barnabas and Paul were almost, they fled Antioch. 
And then at Iconium, they did another miracle. And amongst the Jewish people at the time, there was a plot to mistreat and stone Paul. And then again, Barnabas and Paul fled. Well, when they got to Lystra, what happened there was they went along, did another miracle. And then the locals thought that Hermes and Zeus had come down and they were trying to worship them by slaughtering animals and Barnabas and Paul were trying to calm it all down. And then it turned around quickly for wanting to worship them. What then happened is they turned against them and literally stoned, and that's not smoking cannabis, they stoned Paul, dragged him out of the city and then he woke up and then shook the dust off his feet and left. And then we join the story where they're at Derby, where again they've proclaimed the good news of Jesus and many people have been saved. Let me read to you from Acts 14, verses 21 to 23. Acts 14, 21 to 23. When they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying that through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. And when they had appointed elders for them in every church in those cities, with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed." So as they return and as they revisit the community of Christ followers that they'd established in Iconium, in Antioch, in Lystra, uh, they established an eldership team because they, they recognized that many hardships were going to come. They had to remain true. You remember, in each of those cities, there was already existing religious belief practices. There was the Jewish systems. There was the Greek thinking with their multiple gods. And they wanted to make sure that these new Christians remained true to the apostles' teaching of their faith in an environment that was very fluid. This is the first time the gospel had been there. They didn't know what it meant to follow Jesus and engage with the cultural norms and practices of which of the religious things they need to flee from and which things could they participate in, but through faith in Jesus Christ. What could they redeem from their Jewish culture, for example? And so they needed to make sure that these churches were clear thinking, giving Paul was unlikely to come back any time soon. They had to remain true. They had to be steadfast in the faith that had received. And Paul warned them that in each of these places, they're going to endure many tribulations. They're going to experience hardships. And that was just all part of what it meant to follow Jesus. Paul, if you remember, he encountered plots and slander People ganged up on him and planned to literally stone him and stoned him. Paul had to endure that. Following Christ will come with suffering for the gospel of Jesus. And that was just externally. Internally, there would be tribulations as people got on well. And I guess there was disagreements within church families. What they needed is to understand that many hardships were going to come. And so to help these communities remain True, to be steadfast in the faith they had received in Jesus Christ whilst being in strange cultures and enduring hardships and tribulations, Paul and Barnabas established elders to help these communities remain true to the gospel and the apostles' teaching and to endure. 
and he established multiple elders. There was a plurality about it. It wasn't just one person who could hear from God. There were teams of men who have heard and received the apostles' teaching and were able to collectively figure out what that meant for their church family in their context with these pressures. So there were teams of elders who were established, not just one on their own, but in a team. There was a plurality to the eldership, and they were biblically qualified. We've seen that in Timothy and Titus and in Peter. We've been testing uh, those we proposed this morning against these biblical qualifications. And then what they did, they committed them with prayer and fasting to the care of the Lord. They lifted them up and said, look, we're going to pray and fast. We need you to do your jobs, to make sure we remain steadfast to the faith as it's been taught by the apostles and to help us to endure under hardship. These men needed God's help. So they set them apart with prayer and fasting. And that's something of what we're doing this morning. So I wanted to remind you, that's why we appoint elders here, because we're following the biblical norm, because we too need to remain true to the faith that's been taught us. We will pass on what we have faithfully been taught, and we will help you endure through hardships and tribulations so that we see the kingdom of God, God come to all of those in Reading Family Church. But I want to introduce to you one of my favorite characters in the Bible as we think about appointing deacons. And this is Phoebe in Romans 16, verses 1 through to 2. This is Phoebe. She is an outstanding woman of God. Romans 16, verses 1 to 2 says this. I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church in St. Crea. Maybe if you've got a new living Translation or NIV, it will say deacon. It's that same root word. A deacon is a servant of the church. Romans 16.1. So I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church at Sencrea, that you may welcome her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints. And you would help her in what, whatever she may need from you. For has she has been a patron of many and of myself as well. I want you to know who Phoebe is. So she's from Sencrea, that's near Corinth, eight miles outside, it's a seaport. She's been on a long journey from Corinth across land, presumably she's crossed from Greece to over to the boot of Italy and traveled up, found a way all the way to Rome, and she's carrying with her this scroll that we now call Romans, that letter. She's an entrusted woman with great honor. She's traveled all the way to Rome so she can hand this scroll to the church there. Most likely, as a lady, as the person who's carried it, she's now going to herald, maybe even read this scroll to the church family and maybe bring some insight as she was able to commune with the possible and carry his writing to the church in Rome. So she is a deacon of the church. She is a servant. She has been given ministry oversight and responsibility. She's complimenting the elders of the local church. And this church in Rome is to welcome her in the Lord, to welcome her warmly, to have an open heart to this mighty woman of God, Phoebe, this patron of Paul, who's traveled such a long way to deliver this important letter that we now highly esteem thousands of years later. Paul writes to that church, welcome her warmly. 
open your hearts to this great servant of the church, not just in Sincrea, but now of Rome. And for us, you know, thousands of years later, because she carried it faithfully, she didn't get lost in a storm, she arrived. Welcome her, receive her warmly and with honour. This deacon received honour by the church. They chose to honour her and her gift. Help her, Paul writes. Assist her. Remember, she's turned up. She's got to find food and lodgings. No doubt she was there for numbers of days, if not week. Maybe she was seeing other friends. She was a woman of means. Who knows what she was doing? But the church is told, help the deacon. Receive her in your heart and help her for whatever she needs. She's a servant of the church in Sincrea. She has served you well by being there. And so today we want to say churches, Reading Family Church is served by a team of elders as well as a team of deacons. And we're going to appoint them today. We're going to raise them up right in the middle of all of us as the kids are just about to come back in as we sing this song. We're going to gather and pray for them. We're going to commission the Rogers and we're going to appoint deacons and elders to serve our church here in Reading. So if the band can make their way back now, please. So if they can be in the room. Hopefully the band, yeah, they're coming now. In a few moments, so if you're a parent, if you can now go and get your children and the young people to come back in, come back as quickly as you're able, because when you're back in, then we're going to appoint and commission the Rogers and the elders and the deacons. For this, if you're able to stand. Parents, if you can head out to the room, that would be great. One of the dangers of a morning like this, when we focus on elders and deacons and the Rogers, the centre of attention can unwittingly become people. So we're going to sing now so that the centre of attention is on the living God Jesus.